Thank you, worship team. It's uh, good to worship together. I love that song. A little bit of the Gaelic in there. It wants me to make me roll my R's as we sing. 2023, and this uh, week in January, we start a new series uh, for January called Blessed. How many of you want to be blessed? Anybody want to be blessed? Yeah, you want to be blessed. You, we want that. We talk about being blessed, and a lot of people would say, hey, I really want God to bless me. Uh, there was a church sign that says, uh, get rich quick, count your blessings. Really coming off that song, you know, count your blessings, name them one by one, and you will see what God has done. You know, count your blessings, all the things that God has given them. Now, when you unpack what that means, though, a lot of times what people are saying is they want to have everything that they need. I want to be blessed. I want to have everything that I need. And a blessed person is one who has everything that they need. I want to be completely self-sufficient. You might say, you know, so-and-so, they are financially blessed. They're financially independent. They don't need any money. They've got all that they need. They are self-sufficient. I think many people believe that they have to be self-reliant or self-sufficient. It's like that little cartoon. I'm entirely self-sufficient. I have everything I need just me. We don't need other things. They don't need other people. They can make it on their own. And for a lot of people, that's a goal. We don't want to depend on other people. They might let us down. But we want to be completely self-sufficient. Now, it even applies to relationships. We're so often pushed for time that we don't have time for relationships. We're in too big of a hurry. We're too busy. The pace is too fast. It's like when you're in a hurry and, you know, you don't want to talk to that acquaintance you just met in the store. So you take out your cell phone and you pretend that you're talking. And yeah, 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 yeah. It works for you as long as your cell phone doesn't buzz with a, an incoming call and then you kind of got caught. Notice groups of people. I need to notice it more and more as you're sitting around. Everybody's got their cell phone out. And they're all... And what are we saying? We're saying, don't bother me. I want to be alone. You come home at night. You pull into your garage. You click the garage door opener. You pull the car in. You close the door. What are you saying to your neighbors? I don't want to know you. I want to be independent. We're self-sufficient. Yet, if people are really honest, they would say, it seems like something's missing. I'm blessed with all this independence, but there's this gnawing sense that something's not quite right. A lot of people go through life with just this low-grade, mild depression. Blessed outwardly, independent, not wanting to need people, but feeling kind of lonely. And there are a lot of reasons why. Uh, you know, many, many people have opened up and let someone in and become vulnerable and transparent only to get hurt. So we don't want to get hurt again. So we become independent. We become separate. Now, in this series uh, for this month, we're going to talk about four blessings. God wants to bless you with some things that you may not ever have considered as being blessings. And the first one we're going to look at is this. From the very first person who was ever created, Adam... And every person who has ever lived, God has blessed us all with a need. We have blessed, been blessed with a need. God has blessed every single one of us with a need. And what is that need? 
God has blessed you with the need of needing each other. We are social beings. Ephesians 2, verses 19 and 21 says this, You are citizens, along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Those of you who are believers, who are members of the family of God, he created you with a need, and that is to be an active part of his family. You are to be joined together, depending on one another. Yet often, our goal is to be independent. God created you to be dependent, dependent on him and dependent on his people. To be independent, not needing God, not needing his people, is really a non-Christian concept. God created you to be dependent. God blessed you with a need, a need to need each other. Yet so many people go through life going, I don't want to take time, I don't want to open up to anyone. One guy came to Jesus one day and he asked Jesus a question. He says, Jesus, there's like 613 commandments in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law, 613 mitzvot. Jesus, that's a lot of commands. Jesus, what is the most important command? Here's how Jesus responded, Matthew 22. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God. In other words, be relationally connected to God. Depend on him with your heart. Need him as your father. Need him. Love him. Be loved by him. You need him. You need to love God. But Jesus didn't stop there. He went on to say the second commandment is just as important. And he goes, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You need each other. Yet so many people have this goal to be independent. When God created us with a need to be dependent on him and dependent on his people. One of the difficulties we have in the English language is with the word church. Think of the word church. How many meanings are there to it? Six, when I look it up in Webster's. It could mean, in English, church could mean a building for worship. We built a new church. It could mean the clerical profession, pastors and teachers, he wanted a uh, young man wanted to take up the church as a possible career. It can mean a worship service. Did you enjoy church on Sunday? It can mean all Christians all around the world, the universal church, or all Christians from all faith uh, or from all um, centuries, the church. It could mean a denomination. Yes, that's the Presbyterian Church, the Baptist Church, the Anglican Church. Or, number six, the real meaning, which is a local congregation of people, Ocean View Community Church. That's the biblical meaning. The church in the New Testament, the ecclesia, always refers to people, never a building. The church in any spirit specific area is a spiritual family. To put it simply, it means we do life together with Jesus. 
We're connected to other believers. We open up his word together. We celebrate with those who are celebrating. We hurt with those who are hurting. We commit to be a functioning part of the family of God. So God created us with this need to be dependent on him and on other people. Now, when a church size is small and healthy, they more easily function as a family. When it's just starting out, you might have 30 people. You're kind of a family, a small church. But when it gets to be a certain size, it's more difficult to connect together as a family. And we need to get smaller in order to get bigger. And that's where small groups come in. We belong to a church of 100 or so right now. Ocean View is around 100 or so. And that's at the large end of a small group. For some of us, Meeting on Sunday morning is almost like a small group. We spend a lot of time, we make, jump around, we see how people are doing, we check in with so-and-so uh, and so-and-so, and we kind of meet together and get going for the week, and, and it's, a, it's, a small, it's a large, small group. It's about there. But for others, there's too many people here. We need a small group, a smaller group. So what I'd like to do today is I want to put some kind of skin on these ideas, because a lot of people don't really understand what Scripture is talking about when it talks about this need of needing others. So think of small groups, maybe three to four families or couples or singles, about eight to 20 people. That's, a, that's kind of a small group. And I would encourage you to start thinking about starting some of these small groups. This need that we are blessed with explains why we're also struggling with loneliness, depression, and other issues. Because when we were created, we were blessed with a need, a need for a spiritual family. Now, I'll give you two kinds of unusual thoughts today that hopefully will stick with you. Maybe we can move forward towards small groups as being a significant part of your faith experience. God created you with a need. You need each other. You need a spiritual family. So let me define it in two ways. Number one, you need a spiritual family with refrigerator rights. This is a book that was uh, written a number of years ago by Will Miller and Glenn Sparks. And, and you kind of go, well, so what are refrigerator rights? Like, what are you talking about? Well, say someone comes over to my house and I don't know them very well. Where am I going to entertain them? Well, I'll probably take them to the living room because that's, you know, it's kind of set up for meeting people. It's a little bit cleaner than the rest of the house. And we kind of sit down and uh, we get to know each other. And the, everybody's in the couch and you kind of sit back and try to get comfortable. But, you know, we'd be visiting in the, say we're visiting in the living room, but my guest suddenly gets up. And he goes into the kitchen, pulls out a loaf of bread, opens up my refrigerator, pulls out my meat, my cheese, my spicy mustard, my mayonnaise, my pickles, and he starts making a sandwich. So what do you think I'm going to do? Put down the pickles. Put down my cheese. Put down my spicy mustard. Who are you and what are you doing? You don't have refrigerator rights. We don't know each other that well. You can't go in and open up my fridge and start digging into my food. That is just wrong, man. But if my grandson Wyatt is staying at our house and he gets hungry between meals and wants a sandwich, guess what? He can make a sandwich. He can even eat my pickles because he has refrigerator rights because we're family. 
And just uh, we were, had him over for a, a day a couple of weeks ago, and he came, opened up the fridge, and says, Papa, you haven't got very much in here. <laughs> so my grandkids also have candy rights and popsicle rights, because that's just the way it is with Papa. There are two facts about modern life that uh, Will Miller talks about, and it's quite revealing. On the average, we as families in Canada relocate every five years, and we watch over 24 hours of television each week. Our lifestyle has become socially isolated, especially in Canada, with our cold and our winters that lock us in for six months of the year. We're super connected to the internet, which tends to detach us from people who surround us. We do have strong emotional ties to family and friends, but because we move around so much, they live far away. So we don't have that chance to be with them every day or every week. So now we have several generations who've become increasingly independent and individualistic. Sociologists tell us that Having a strong social support system is a critical resource for healthy living. These are refrigerator rights relationships. Close relationships that keep our mood buoyant through the uncertainties of human living. Close friends give us practical and emotional resources that casual friends cannot offer. We learn from others when we feel safe in their presence. Positive or critical feedback is most welcome when it's given by those who love and care about you. So among your friends and acquaintances, how many are so at home when in your home that they too can raid your fridge without asking first? These are the people who have become family to you. The New Testament, there's a beautiful picture of refrigerator rights. It's believers saying, we're family. Anything that I have is not mine, it's ours, because we all belong to the family of God. Acts 2, 44-46 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, you have to understand, this is at the beginning of Acts, it may have been caused, this whole thing would have been caused by being the very first church in Jerusalem. People from all over the world had come to Pentecost. And they now stayed, they became believers in Jesus, and they stayed in Jerusalem to learn about Messiah. It was the first college campus. Now it changed a bit when they were dispersed by persecution, but the rest of the New Testament and early church history indicates that much of this continued. They were together. They had everything in common. They would sell their possessions and their goods, and they would give to everyone as they had need. And where did they break bread? They ate together in their homes. Well, you might say, hey, you know, I got some good buddies. I got some good friends. But I would ask, well, do these good friends have refrigerator rights? You might say, well, my, my kids play soccer with these other people's kids, so we know each other. I've got friends at the gym. I've got friends from school. But do these friends have refrigerator rights? It's a bit of a gauge. Most likely, they haven't even been in your home, and you haven't been in their home. There's something uniquely special when you open up your most intimate dwelling to someone else. 
That's when you really form an intimate spiritual connection. I invite you into my place. I want to share my life, my heart with you. Refrigerator writes. It's important to find some ways to build these relationships. God has given you a need, a need for each other. But too many people are saying, well, we don't want to need each other. God gave you that need to open up, to be transparent, to do life together. We're talking about a family, a community, 10 people, 20 people, 30 people that were doing life together. When someone rejoices, we rejoice. When someone hurts, we all hurt together. Why? Because we're family, a spiritual family united around the bond of Jesus Christ. You have been blessed with that need, a spiritual family with refrigerator rights. In years past, <coughs> in centuries past, going back quite a ways, uh, homesteading, in a sense, uh, a family, uh, aunts, uncles, we all, uh, cousins, we all lived in the same area, got together regularly. There, that was where a lot of our social uh, support came from. Someone died. It was the family. The family came together. Now that we're spread out and we have abilities to move and we've moved and we don't live, I don't live near all my kids. I need other people. And the church is a place that meets many of those needs, and it should be the place where we meet those needs. So number one, refrigerator rights. Now, number two, here's another weird one for you, a weird thing to think about. You need people who are barefoot buddies. Barefoot buddies. You have a need of a spiritual family who are barefoot buddies. And you can say, well, what is that? Well, I'm going to a question for you. Do you have beautiful feet or ugly feet? You know, it's okay with family, but they're embarrassing with strangers. I remember being on the Quanos board, and our board chair, Janet Anderson, wanted to do this thing where washing, you know, washing the feet uh, and do all this thing. And uh, ah, I, had a, I had my toenails were all twisted up and a couple of bruises on them and cuts on my feet. And I'm like, I don't want to stick my feet out there for her to... I'm embarrassed. Reveal defects. Didn't I want beautiful feet, not ugly feet. Number of years ago, when my niece was in her teens, we were at Christmas dinner. Everybody's sitting around, all the family's sitting around, all the cousins are sitting around. Of course, we're waiting a little bit for Grandma to get the uh, turkey on, and so the kids are flipping forks, right? You put something on the fork, and you'll bang, and it and you tried to get it to go into a jar or something like that. Or they're not supposed to do it, but they did it. So what does she do? Bang! Ting! Right on her tooth. Chipped the tooth. Her immediate reaction was, I'm ugly! But you know, I never noticed that chipped tooth over the years because we're family. It was okay. Romans 15, 7 shows us a way that we can praise God. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. You want to bring praise to God? Accept one another. Why is it that so many people don't want to open up? They don't want to be transparent. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to rely on other people. Instead, they want to be independent rather than dependent. 
And I'll tell you the reason why, because I expect at some point they were rejected rather than accepted. As a spiritual family, we need to accept one another. We're barefoot buddies. Not many of us have beautiful feet. Most of us have ugly feet. We don't let guests see our feet. But family, hey, with family, they can see my ugly feet. Nobody cares. We kick back. We put our bare feet up on the coffee table. We just accept one another. Ladies don't have to wear makeup if they don't want to. Guys don't have to shave if they don't want to. We bring our real game. We bring ourselves. There's a story in the Old Testament about a little kid that someone accidentally dropped. His feet were broken. There were no doctors to reset his feet, so he became crippled for his whole life in both feet. And at this time, if someone was crippled, they were considered to have done something wrong. Why are you crippled? You must have done something wrong. You must have sinned somewhere. You're crippled because you sinned. It's your fault. There's something wrong with you. This little kid, Mephibosheth, he had crippled feet. He was an outcast for his entire life. Now, before he was crippled, his dad, Jonathan, was the best friends with David, but his dad died. And King David said, Hey, is there anyone at all in Jonathan's household that I can show kindness to for the sake of our friendship? We're family. I want to invite his family up. Someone said, well, there's this one guy, but he's got crippled feet. You don't want to have anything to do with him. David said, no, you don't understand. We're family. Get him to the palace now. Why? Because that's what we do for family. Here's what Scripture says about how Mephibosheth lived out the rest of his life. It says in 2 Samuel, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. Every single one of us, we've got messed up feet in one form or another. You got your deal. You've got your baggage. You've got your issues. You've got your quirks. We prop our crippled feet up on the table and we say, thank God that someone accepts us as we are. So don't be embarrassed by crippled feet. Maybe he has issues with pornography. Well, he props up his crippled feet on the table and others pray for him. Maybe he neglects his family for his work and she struggles with her self-image. Just put their crippled feet up. Maybe they're not good as spiritual leaders. Maybe the wife isn't good at supporting her husband. Put up your crippled feet. God is changing them. For the good times, bring cakes. For the hard times, bring Kleenex. John Burke at Gateway Church in Austin, Texas, wrote a very important book. It's called No Perfect People Allowed. Creating a culture of acceptance in their church. You don't have to be perfect to be here, to be in this body, to be with us. He talks about mercy, not getting what I deserve. And grace, receiving what I don't deserve. First, we need to experience that grace and then we give it out liberally. God values relationships with his children much more than perfect behavior. We give up trying to fix people because that's not our job. That's God's job. Growth is personal to each person. The way of Christ is like a child growing up. Do you remember kids? uh, Some of you, I'm talking to some really little ones this morning, and I'm sure they look a little bit like this at times. 
Sarah and Matthew. And their faces are messy, their hands are messy, and they're trying to learn to, to eat. And it, my grandson still likes to use his hands rather than his fork. And it's like oh, this culturally thing that he has to use a fork. Hands work so much better. They make a mess. We have his chair. This is Wyatt's chair. Because it's got spots and stuff all over it. And so that goes for Wyatt. So we keep five good chairs and Wyatt's chair. That's the goal. The goal of maturity for a child. But the growth in the context of family. There is a lot of trial and error. When a little one is trying to learn to walk, we don't say, oh, you're stupid because you fell down. We say, oh, try again, try again, try again. You're getting it, you're getting it. Daddy will help you. There's a motto in every spiritual family of Christ should be come as you are and continue to grow. Refrigerator rights and barefoot buddies. And now some of you might be thinking, I don't have that. I tried a small group once and it sure wasn't there. Well, just so you know, it doesn't happen when you walk in and 30 minutes later, there you have it. Family takes time. It really does take time. So here's a little formula for those of you who would say, I need a spiritual family. These are the elements that will contribute to a spiritual family. Three things. Commitment and challenges and Christ bring a spiritual family. Commitment. Well, I walked into a small group and they didn't have it. Well, that's because you've got to do life together. It takes time. Well, I don't have time. Well, you have time for what you value. You have time for what you choose to have time for. If you don't have time for people, you don't value them. It's about commitment. You might say, I went to this group and I liked everybody except that one guy that was weird. Exactly. Happens every time. Every group I've ever been in. That's family. It's part of family. There's always a weird one. That's what makes it family. In every small group, there is a weird one, period. That's the way it is. I, you might be saying, hey, there's not a weird one in my group. <laughs> you might be the weird one. So if you go and look for the perfect group, you will never find it. So commitment plus challenges. Someone's baby dies. Some guy you love dies. Someone loses their job. Someone's marriage goes through a difficult time. Some husband finds out his wife's got an emotional connection to some other guy. Remember my niece with the chipped tooth? Another Christmas, a number of years later. We were gathered around, we were eating, and they got a phone call. A family in their small group, <laughs> Christmas Day, their teenage son was hit in the crosswalk. <laughs> they immediately packed up got on the ferry, went back to Children's Hospital, and stayed around as the boy died. You hear the bad news. Whatever it is, you need your family. Someone has a need, you meet it. You have a need, and someone helps meet it. We're family. That's what we are. We are family. God has given you a need. You need each other. You need a spiritual family. And there is the one who sets us apart from other groups of friends, and that is Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of the living God. Commitment plus challenges plus Christ. 
is your spiritual family. The one who came so that we could live. The one who came so that we could have eternal life. You've heard it preached, I'm sure. You need a personal relationship with Christ. Now, that's a good start. Yet when I read the Bible and I see more of a shared relationship with Christ, it's not necessarily personal. It's shared with community. Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. Another time it says, pity the man who falls down by himself and has no one to help him up. Two are better than one. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. What we see is a shared relationship with Jesus. Too many people today, including Christians, want to be independent. But God created you to be dependent. Dependent on Him, dependent on His people. How do I know that you're going through life being independent? You drive to work alone. You work out alone. You read your Bible. You read it alone. If you pray, you pray alone. When you cry, you cry alone. God said it's not good that anyone be alone. God has blessed you with a need. You need each other and you need Him. God wants us to be joined together in the family of God. Remember the problem I said we have with the word church? Don't just go to church. Be the church, the spiritual family of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you right now, you're going, okay, I see it. I'm trying to be independent. You might have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you say, you know, I don't have a shared one. You need that. I'm talking about a community of believers who do you do life with in a rich, in an intimate, in a New Testament self-sacrificing way? If you hurt, I hurt. If you rejoice, I rejoice. It's family. You might be thinking, I recognize God has blessed me with this need. God, meet this need. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for blessing us with this need. Now we thank you that you will meet the need as we actively share our lives with other family members, being your body of Christ. Father, thank you for people who are hungry, and not just to know you personally, but to share their relationship with you to be a spiritual family. I pray that you would knit our hearts together with other believers who know you, that we would be transparent, that we would be open, that we'd be vulnerable, and that we'd bring our real selves, crippled feet and all. God, make us into such a beautiful family that those who don't know you would say, I want what you have. Now, God, for those today who will venture out this week into a spiritual family, I pray you would lead them to the right place, that you would plant the seeds, that weeks or months or even years later, we would look back to this moment in prayer with you and we would say, God, you answered that prayer. You put us in a spiritual family. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do.